Hello and welcome to episode zero of God's Own Scale. This is a new podcast that I've set up to highlight and promote both the six millimeter wargaming hobby and uh, also some amateur history too, uh, to go alongside it. Albeit um, I'm saying the six mil hobby, I'm kind of accepting of uh, three or two mil uh, as well. All of those uh, uh, above mentioned scales are underrepresented uh, in the hobby media. Uh, they do get some attention, I think, uh, most of all through two sources. One is the excellent uh, Roller One blog from uh, Per Broden. Uh, I am apparently now a Brodenista, uh, and I'll wear that badge with pride. I'm, I'm number one fan of the work that Per does um, in six mil recreating the great battles of the great northern war some tremendous content and i advise you wholeheartedly get over to pair's blog at rollerone.com to check out the work that he's done over the last few years primarily putting on large battles from the great northern war at the joy of six war game show but also at uh, salute over the years the other one being of course uh meeples and miniatures podcasts who well, without them, I wouldn't have had the idea of, of doing one myself. And they certainly are fans of the six mil scale. They've covered it over the years that they've been uh, producing content, for which I'm very thankful. Um, they've had Pear and Pete Berry from Bacchus uh, as guests on their show. Uh, and they've they've covered various aspects of six mil wargaming, six mil life. And in fact, two mil uh, gaming as well uh, recently with the uh, uptake from the likes of Mark Backhouse and Sydney Roundwood evangelising about the benefits of the two-mil scale. So I guess why am I here? That is the title of episode zero. Uh, this is a solo effort today. Hopefully uh, in the coming episodes, I'll be joined by one or more guests to uh, talk through the six-mil hobby and discuss the ranges that are out there that are available, um, what periods people play using six mil, what additional bits and pieces within the hobby, like the scenery, like the gaming mats that people are using these days. The whole kit and caboodle is, is what I want to cover really to make it a holistic approach towards six mil gaming. This Sunday, as I'm recording now, it's the 4th of July, Independence Day, everyone just realized that. But this Sunday, the 7th of July, is uh, the Joy of Six show, which is the annual extravaganza celebrating Six Mill as a valid, more than valid scale with which to wargame with um, and promoting the best aspects of the scale by inviting along people to put on extravagant games or, or even small games that you could play in your lap and everything in between as well as the traders that uh, make a living uh, from uh, six mil. So yes, as well as the games that are on show, uh, a list of which is now up on the Bacchus website, should you uh, choose to have a look. Hopefully this will be up by Friday night, and then the plan being that uh, those of you choose to could download this and have a listen on your way to the show. So the order of uh, games as listed on the Bacchus website, we've got Riot, the Brexit years from Doncaster Wargame Society. That sounds fascinating. I have no idea what that's about. Although there was a game called uh, Riot and a set of rules 
called Riot, produced by Irregular Miniatures. I wonder if it's something to do with that. Uh, then we've got Target Saigon, 1975, by Nick Overland. Um, clearly some uh, sort of Vietnam action there going on. We've got The Battle of Hoth from Dan Hodgson. So we've got a bit of Star Wars action. That sounds good. It sounds like it'll be on a icy, snowy landscape, which will be lovely considering uh, the temperature has been rising uh, of late over the last few days. We've then got The Battle of the Little Bighorn from 1875 by the War Games Collection Calculator. Now, I've followed the progress of this game over Twitter prior to its launch at Salute, where I believe it won the best participation game. Now, that is incredible. Uh, Salute being the largest one-day war game show in the country, often has huge 20-foot tables with 28-millimeter figures from flank to flank, thousands of them. Um, Maybe not as participation games, I agree, but uh, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of participation games using larger-scale figures on on great set-piece terrain. And this game won the best participation game using 6-mil figures which I think, is, for me, is a real step forward for the six mil hobby. That is absolutely incredible. Then we've got the Battle of, now I'll have to uh, try and pronounce this, Ganilla Lipper, or Nilla Lipper, or Liper, or Nyla Liper, from 1914. I'm not quite sure the correct pronunciation there, but it's definitely an Eastern Front uh, engagement. Put on by Robert Dunlop. Now, Robert Dunlop is a name that I've come across quite a lot over the last few weeks as I've begun my own journey into the six mil world because uh, my first project, my first lengthy project, will be um, a great war spearhead to recreating uh, the Thietval sector, or Thietval, sorry, sector of uh, the Battle of the Somme. And Robert has um, put on many a great game uh, using those rules uh, and Bacchus figures or, or certainly six mil figures. Uh, over the last few years, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Then we've got the D-side Defenders putting on Franco-Prussian War 1871. That sounds fascinating. Don't know what rules they're using, but I imagine that's going to be rather impressive. As is Kadesh from 1275 BC by the Cogs. I think that's the Chesterfield something gaming society. I stand corrected if I'm wrong. Talking about salute, we've got the South London Warlords putting on Hell's Highway with 30th Corps, 1944. Um, assuming that's the dash up the uh, up the uh, one road, Hell's Highway towards uh, the bridges to relieve, hopefully, uh, Johnny Frost holding Arnhem Bridge. Then we've got another great war, sorry, another the first of the great Northern War games, the Siege of Viborg, of Vib, or Viborg uh, by Luton, Lan- Luton Lancers. Then uh, Chariot Racing, which I think will be a participation game by the Grantham Strategy and War Games Club. And then for me, the um, the Piesta Resistance, and that's not to uh, downplay everybody else's contribution, but I've followed the development of this game uh, closest of all over Twitter, uh, and it's Pear Broden, Nick Durrell, and the Weir Forest, or Wire Forest Gamers, uh, doing Poltava 1709. Now, I know absolutely nothing about the Great Northern War, other than there was a battle called Potava with some strange uh, square redoubts. And I am looking forward to this game incredibly. I followed the development of it. In fact, albeit not from a point of view of being a six mil gamer over the last few years, I've always followed the development of these great North 
war games that uh, Pear has put on because he he's very prominent on Twitter, uh, and it, and he usually puts up a link to his his own blog at Roller One, and I uh, I've invariably uh, followed the development of each game because it's it's just a fantastic approach. His enthusiasm is infectious and so infectious that I'm now here launching uh, a, a six mil dedicated podcast. So uh, this is really down to Pear. Um, you, you've got him to blame for hearing my um, nasally tones in your ears. But yes, yeah, so that, that sounds fantastic. I think they're using Twilight of the Sunking Rules or something similar to that. Then moving on, we have a tough day at Bad Oinhausen. Oinhausen? I have no idea what that is. I'm no doubt uh, butchering the pronunciation of that, but that's by Chris Sharp and the Yorkshire Renegades. As a guess, I'm going to say that's a modern war, sort of World War Three, NATO versus Warsaw Pact game. I've got no more details than the title, but that's my guess. Then we have Allied Intervention in the Russian Civil War 1919 by Mad Gamers. I think that's Maidstone and District Gamers. Now, they've done some superb 6 mil games over the years, uh, most prominent of which that comes to my mind is Isandl Warner which was on a huge table, something like 12 foot by six, may have been bigger, uh, with six mil figures and absolutely ginormous um, uh, units of Zulus, impies, there you go, that's the name, with hundreds of Zulus per impie um, and a very small, thin red line to hold them off. It looked amazing when it was run as a participation game at various shows. Um, I bet you that's over, I bet you that's going on for 10 years ago now. Okay, then we've got God of War Lee by GM Board Games. I'm going to take a stab in the dark and guess that's American Civil War, um, but who GM Board Games are and, and what they do, I'm not sure, but I shall certainly take a look at that. Then we have Napoleonic 1813 by Commission Figurines. Now, I think this is a guy called Walt, who I think is relatively local to myself in the Stafford area, who produces um, some absolutely stunning MDF 6mm figures. So slightly a, a, a 2D effect, uh, as in the sort of flat figure tradition, I guess, or the flats as they were back in the 60s. But I've seen I've seen these figures in the flesh, and they are stunning when painted up. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Then we have the Cold War Commanders doing Perrier Ridge from 1944. An engagement I'm not familiar with, but um, clearly some late war action. I can't tell you the theatre. That could be Pacific. It could be uh, Northwest Europe. I don't know. Definitely Northwest Europe is a game titled Normandy 1944. Not too difficult to work that one out. We've got Tony Morfitt and Mike McKnight playing that. So that's, those are two new names to me. Good grief. There's quite a lot of games here, isn't it? This is amazing. Then we've got um, an Ancient Thrash from the Milton Keynes... Wargame Society, Byzantines against Arabs. That sounds intriguing. Then we have the Battle of Vimiro, Vimiro, Vimirio, uh, which uh, my limited Napoleonic knowledge tells me is a Peninsula War game by Kevin Baker. Sounds great. I've missed out, actually, one now. I've missed out Warlord Games, who are normally uh, famous for their 28mm figures, but they produce a game called Cruel Seas, which is nominally one three hundredth in scale, so clearly fitting into the six mil scene 
and uh, they are attending on Sunday uh, to demonstrate Cruel Seas, as are the Wakefield and District War Gamers with a game of Cruel Seas. Um, this being the 75th uh, anniversary of the D-Day landings, we have another Normandy game, that Normandy 1944, from the Mailed Fist, I think, from the Manchester area, I could be wrong. And then more locally, we've got Sheffield War Games Society with a small beach party. That's the only details on the description. I am going to take a stab in the dark and guess that that could also be uh, a Normandy beach landing game. But I will stand corrected um, when it happens. Then we have James Mitchell with Jacko Bite-sized Culloden. Now, um, James has on Twitter and has been uh, promoting this game. As somebody who loves the idea of these bathtub or reduced scale big battles, so in the uh, in the tradition set by Bacchus with games like uh, Leipzig Light and Gettysburg at a Gallop, which, uh, if I remember correctly, the uh, tagline was play, play the battle in an hour. This looks to be something similar. Um, I think James is using... Uh, for King and Parliament, which is the English Civil War variant of To the Strongest. So it'll be on a square-based um, table uh, with, with square movement, etc. Um, and this is very much in the theme of one of my projects, which hopefully I'll talk about fairly shortly, uh, called Blenheim Blitz, which hopefully will be refighting the Battle of Blenheim within an hour. More of that soon. Uh, okay, we're getting towards the bottom now. We've got Gripping Beast, again, another company uh, renowned for their 28mm figures, uh, and Dark Age in particular, running a game of Sword Point, which is their big battle rules with Rome fighting Persia. So that shall be interesting, whether or not it's um, Darren and Andy from Gripping Beast turning up and playing that, or somebody representing uh, Gripping Beast, I, d- I don't know. Um, but another intriguing Ancients battle there. And then we have... SHSU Tabletop Gaming Society. I'm guessing that Sheffield something, something, something Tabletop Gaming Society with Command Horizon Science Fiction, which is the old uh, Bacchus uh, rule set and figures that uh, Peter released, gosh, maybe 10 to 15 years ago now, um, but uh, but no longer there. So that that is a long list of games, isn't it? Uh, if you're attending the Joe of Six, that is a cracking lineup of games from ancients through to uh, modern day uh, and beyond by the looks of it with the science fiction um, element companies in attendance we've got gem board games we've got heroics and ross the the grandfather of one three hundred stroke six mil gaming i guess we've got christopher morris we've got brigade models who are producing some absolutely stunning uh, two mil and six mil uh, buildings and scenic bits, they're going to be well worth a look at, as are Leather Miniatures, who are 6mm specialists uh, in the in the building scene. We have GS Miniature Workshop. We have Warlord Games there, actually. I wonder if they will be selling 28mm figures. That will be slightly odd if, uh, if they're selling 28mm figures at a 6mm show. I can understand them being there and, uh, and promoting Cruel Seas, but uh, yes, uh, to see the the big boys there, that will be slightly odd. Then we have Rapier Miniatures, a company that I've never actually uh, bought from, but I know that they do some lovely 6 mil, including Ancients and American Civil War. Uh, and then, of course, Bacchus, uh, who without them, 
this show would not be happening. Uh, War Games Emporium, they are a local shop to Sheffield, I believe. And I think they are something to do with the Command Horizon rules now. Uh, moving on, we've got Scotia, um, who again are one of the, I, I don't know who came first, Scotia or Heroics, but um, they are, they've are they certainly been around for a long, long time in the 1-300th uh, World War II and modern uh, micro armor scene. Uh, then we've got Commission Figurines, which is, uh, as I said, Walt uh, with his MDF uh, soldiers, and I think he does some scenery as well, I think so. Then we have Timecast, uh, some beautiful buildings and latex pieces. I've just spent a bunch of money on some of their trenches for my game at Joe's 6 next year. And then to be confirmed, we have RK Model Works, so I know nothing about, but they're in attendance as well. Just as I'm going through the uh, the webpage, I've just noticed that there is a, a floor plan been put up by Peter today, uh, the 4th of July, and... There is a colour code for participation games and demonstration games. And I have to say, the balance is in favour of participation games. So that is great. So once you've spent all your money, there's going to be plenty of games for you to have a go at. So that is the Joy of Six, which uh, appears to be going from strength to strength. I've not been for three or four years, I guess now. Uh, I had a great time when I did. um, But it, it does look as though it's grown into its own thing and certainly got its own niche within the market of uh, war games events and conventions up and down the country so to say i'm excited is a little bit of an understatement so i'll be traveling up with uh, my club mate aid who i think is looking to get some uh, napoleonics from bacchus for a forthcoming blucher project using the blucher rules uh, but obviously uh, it's the figures will be usable with the likes of Volley and Bayonet, Bayonet Polymos, uh, Grand Armée, etc., etc. So I'm I'm looking forward to that journey. Uh, not, I haven't bowed yet to temptation to say that I'll be joining him on that, but it would be very easy for me to uh, jump in and, and buy a few uh, Napoleons in the day. So I guess to end, just end this uh, this little section. I, I better talk a little bit about myself and as to why I'm here. So I'll uh, I'll do that in the next part. Okay, I'm back after that short break, uh, a musical interlude. So I'm Sean Clark. I'm in my late 40s now. And I've been wargaming, properly wargaming, I guess, uh, since I was 18 or 19. So getting on for 30 years, just over 30 years. I had the usual start in role-playing games um, that many of us did with uh, Dungeons & Dragons and the various other uh, role-playing games from the likes of TSR and Mayfair Games. Um, but always had an interest in toy soldiers and military history, uh, inspired by a fantastic history teacher who, uh, unfortunately, has has passed away now. But um, he, he, Mr. Wilson, his name was. He was absolutely incredible, painting pictures uh, with words that uh, I still remember to this day. Talking about the Franco-Prussian War and Bismarck and the rise of Germany in the First World War, the Treaty of Versailles through to the rise of Hitler. 
uh, absolutely amazing. It's stuck with me to this day, and uh, I, I can't thank that gentleman enough. He was he was a, a gentleman and a scholar. So, wargaming wise, I uh, I live in just as well. I live about thirty miles outside of Stoke on Trent. I'm actually in Shropshire, uh, but uh, my local club is Stoke War Games Club, um, and we've got. A fairly even split between historical and fantasy stroke science fiction gaming going on there. For the last goodness hope knows how many years I've played Peter Pig games, generally in 15 mil. I thoroughly enjoyed those uh, games uh, through every rule set that they've released. I've generally bought two armies uh, to fight those rules, but I've just come to, a, I think, a bit of a crossroads in my gaming where I just felt like doing something different and uh, to look more towards the history side of gaming. So the Peter Pig games are absolutely fantastic where you can sit down with an opponent and and, and two armies and, and play an English Civil War game or a Vietnam battle or American Civil War or American Revolution, whichever period you choose. But at my stage in life now as my professional career starts to sort of go over the hump and and looking towards retirement uh, in the not too distant future. Um, I'm looking for a bit more history, I think, in my gaming um, and therefore recreating the great battles of history. And to do that um, is beyond my means in 28 mil and probably now also in 15 mil. 10 mil was an option, but I think for the size difference between 10 mil and 6 mil, 6 mil won out uh, on a cost and space uh, factor by by some margin. I think six, 10 mil, uh, I've got some, uh, the various companies have got some fantastic sculpts out there, but I think the impact of one 10 mil figure or a strip of four Bacchus figures, uh, there's, there's no contest. The strip of four Bacchus figures win for me. Uh, I feel as though you could get just as much detail painting-wise on on those four Bacchus figures on that strip as opposed to one 10 mil. And the look on the table uh, is, is incredible. Just look at some of uh, Pear Broden's uh, Great Northern War Games or just type in six mil war game uh, into Google and you'll, you'll get dozens and dozens and dozens of images showing six mil at its finest uh, replaying the great battles from history. Um, there's a YouTube channel called Little Wars TV, who just this week have started the second season of uh, videos. Um, and the first video they do is Gettysburg. Check that video out because it, that uses all Bacchus figures from what I can see, refighting um, all three days of Gettysburg, albeit the uh, sequence of events changes almost from the first turn so that... Um, Pickett's charge never happens uh, come day three because of the circumstances that have been played out on the first and second day. But the rolling vista that shows the landscape in and around Gettysburg through Cemetery Ridge and Cemetery Hill and the uh, the round tops and the peach orchard and the railway that is all there and it is just fantastic. It really is fantastic. So I feel like I've made the absolute right choice uh, for me to... Move into six mil so that I can follow my passion and desire for history, which 
really spans the entirety of military history. Uh, I would say if pushed and I was deserted on a on an island out in the Pacific somewhere and I could take one fully complete war game with two opposing armies and scenery with me, but it's got to be for one period uh, to play out the rest of my days with, it would be the American Civil War. That's That's the first period that I first got interested in to the point where I was buying figures and doing the research and making the scenery and playing games regularly with. Uh, so it would be American Civil War, but um, the English Civil War is a fairly close second for me. Um, the American War of Independence is there as well. Uh, Colonials, um, Sengoku era, uh, Japan. And probably actually now, Fine for the second spot would be the First World War, using the Great War spearhead rules, uh, refighting some of those incredible battles that took place during during uh, the Great War. I, I, I have a real passionate interest in the history of the Great War, particularly on the Western Front, uh, but also wider out into the Middle East and the Eastern Front as well. So... Over the life of this podcast, I would hope that some of these ideas and these concepts and these, these passions will, will bear fruit with me uh, recreating some of the great battles from history. So uh, as I've already mentioned, for Joy of Six next year, it will be uh, the Tietval sector of uh, the Somme, the first day of the Somme. Uh, the scenario is there in the Great War, uh, great war Spearhead rulebook. Uh, it's it's on a six by four table. There's three lines of German trenches. It's basically three British divisions attacking one German division. So uh, that that's my first sort of twelve month project. There's going to be smaller side projects as we go. So for instance, a good few years ago now, I bought uh, a battle pack from Irregular Miniatures for the Crimean War using a, a, a very charming little set of rules called uh, the War Against Russia or War Against Russia. And the battle pack has the forces in there to fight the Battle of the Alma. So that, that'll be a fairly quick, fairly speedy uh, little project to get me underway in the in the world of six mil wargaming. Um I, I was also donated a few years ago an absolute bucket load of Verrokes and Ross figures, most of which were painted for the American Civil War, plus a few extra bags. So I'm going to be looking at uh, to see what I can do with those, possibly basing them for Altar of Freedom, possibly going on a slightly smaller base than the recommended 60 by 30, uh, maybe down to 40 by 20. The Verrokes and Ross um, are of the time. The sculpts... Uh, they were slightly more basic, more static poses uh, than what we see now from the likes of Bacchus and indeed Rapier. But they'll have a charm, I think, all of their own. And the idea of putting them on a smaller base means that I need a smaller table to fight out some of, some of the battles. So I'll see how that goes. Um, I haven't looked at closely just how much uh, I've got in the stash there. But yes, yeah, so that that's, that will be coming uh, down the road too, as will some World War II gaming. Quite inspired, to be honest, by another blog called Heretical Gaming um, by a guy who identifies himself as Whirlwind on the miniatures page. I'm not quite sure what his 
what his real name is. But um, if you go to my blog, go to God's Own Scale 2.blogspot.com, um, you'll see a link over to the side there to, to his blog, which is on a little bit of a hiatus at the moment, but it's got masses of six mil content on there, ranging from ancient battles through to uh, War of Independence to Napoleonics um, and through to uh, World War II, uh, using uh, the old, very old set now, uh, WRG 1925 to 1950, I think uh, they are, which I do own. I've taken a, a look at recently, and I'm intrigued to just just give them a little go and just see how they stand up. They were written, or my copy is dated 1973, so that's 46 years ago. I'd be intrigued just to see how they stand up as a game. Uh, certainly, Mr. Whirlwind on the Heretical Gaming uh, blog, uh, he, he enjoys the rules, so uh, there's no saying that I won't as well. So I'll be taking a look at those. Bacchus obviously have just started to release some uh, 6 mil World War Two, which is beautiful stuff. Um, so the world's my oyster, really, with this blog, with this uh, podcast, sorry. Um, the intention is that I spread the word. I, sp- I evangelize about 6 mil gaming. Having seen the light myself and the advantages, the economies, the space-saving aspects of 6 mil, but also that grand vista aspect that you can get with 6 mil that I'm not quite sure you can get with the bigger scales, not unless you've got a 24-foot table with 10,000 28 mil figures on it. I'm not sure you get the same impact. Pear talks about uh, quite frequently about um, those old paintings by the mas- by the, the old masters of, of, of the art where uh, a, there's a battle scene with perhaps some generals in the foreground with staff officers and then in the background there's rolling away from the cam- through the canvas is this landscape just filled with battle raging uh, behind them, uh, whatever era or period it's, it's depicting. But six mil gives you that effect. And if you look at Pear's website, you'll see several pictures where he captures that feeling of um, that depth of field almost, I guess, as as the, the eye is drawn from those central characters in the foreground, which is generally a general, having a conversation with an aide and, and various other staff officers on horseback, uh, and usually somebody dead at the feet. Uh, and then you look behind those characters and going away to the horizon is, is this roiling battlescape, this this conflict going on. And that's what you get for me with six mil, uh, most certainly. So uh, that that's what I'm aiming for. That's what I'm aiming for. And th- this podcast will hopefully promote the best, best aspects of that. Um, this won't be a solo podcast. Uh, this first episode or episode zero is uh, just to get it off the ground and just to get the uh, the podcast launched. But um, my friend Aid hopefully will be on with me from time to time. Um, I'm, I would very dearly love to get Pear on here uh, to talk about uh, six mil gaming. I know he's just done the interview with Meeples, but um, maybe look at a, come at it from a slightly different angle for the purposes of, uh, of this podcast to promote the hobby. Uh, certainly Peter from Bacchus, Peter Berry, he's um, a fairly regular guest on the Meeples. I'd love for him to come on here and maybe use this as a, a, a sound box 
for Bacchus's future releases and future plans and progress and where he is uh, with with the various ranges that he's releasing. But not only them, but there's the other content manufacturers. We've got Barry and Mark at Timecast, so I'd love to get on to have their perspective of uh, being producers of 6mm scenery. We've got a regular miniatures who've been around for eons, haven't they, uh, with 6mm with, uh, and 2mm uh, in their catalogue. Uh, we've got Rapier, we've got gosh, Scotia, we've got Heroics and Ross who seem to have found a new lease of life recently with an online ordering system at last on their webpage. There's dozens of people that I can think of just off the top of my head uh, who I'd like to get on here. So uh, anybody who's got any ideas as well, um, or anybody, in fact, has got a passion for 6mm and would like to come onto the podcast as a guest, contact me either through Twitter or through uh, my email, which is godsownscale at gmail.com. I want this to be a community project almost to sell 6mm to a wider audience. I've just commented on Twitter about um, lack of... I bought my first War Games magazine this year, which was War Games Illustrated. It was the only one that the local Smiths had got in. That wasn't a, a choice out of the three main ones. That was the only one that was there. And I was slightly surprised to see that not only was there no photos of 6mm figures in there, there was no mention of 6mm full stop. So whether in adverts or as options for certain periods where um, a contributor has has described a, a battle and then listed the various figures, uh, ranges that are available uh, for that period, uh, six mil was admitted. It seems like the world starts at 10 mil and goes, goes up. No uh, scenery manufacturers of, uh, for six mil uh, as advertisers. I didn't know if that was unusual. I, I made comments of it on Twitter, and I was made aware that John Treadway, editor of Miniature War Games, uh, had attended Joy Six last year and was asking for content. And I'm well aware that an editor can only publish the content that he's provided with. So maybe it is up to the Six Mill Wargaming community to step up, produce those articles, and and get Six Mill out there. This is a drum that Peter has been banging uh, alone, really, uh, for some considerable time. So uh, hopefully this is going to be a, a, a bit of help, a bit of assistance down the road to to get the word out there and to to sell the scale to people who might not have considered it as a valid option previously. I may be barking up the wrong tree. Um, it may be an impossible task. It may be fanciful thinking that we can create a host more uh, of six mil gamers to join this community. Uh, and and get it front and centre of the stage to show it off. Um, over the years, there have been various people who've done some wonderful things in 6mm. I remember the uh, Vagran game by Steve from the Newark Regulars, I think it was. I can't think of your second name, Steve, if you're listening, but I followed your blog over the course of the building of that game. I've already mentioned the Mad Gamers, Isandal Warner game. Uh, we've got Pear with his uh, numerous Great Northern War battles that he's put on. I think D-Side Defenders have put on numerous 6 mil games over the years uh, at the Joy of Six. So the games are out there, but 
we need more people to step up and produce content and to submit content to the magazines to promote it to get across twitter which is a, is a great resource for gamers as is facebook social media is here to stay we can't run away from it and the old forum style of connecting with other gamers across the country seems to be dying away a little bit i know that the Bacchus forum doesn't get an awful lot of traffic although i've been tr trying to post more on there uh, recently and to generate some discussion uh, there's not an awful lot of traffic that goes through that forum but if you check out the various six mil wargaming and scenery and terrain facebook groups then there is some there is some volume of traffic that goes through there that generates the interest and and people are posting up pictures of the projects and talking about new releases that are coming out or the shows or influences on their hobby from the historical perspective so it's it's there to be used and i think we really need to grab social media by the horns uh to get some momentum and uh to to keep a pace with the larger scales who are doing very good things out there on social medias so i've, I've rambled quite a bit there quite a bit longer than i anticipated actually but that that is the aim the purpose of this podcast to to get discussion going and get some interest and if nothing else if you're driving to work or driving to a show you can put this podcast on and have a, a quick listen i'll look to keep uh, the main shows um around about the hour mark um, i think too much longer than that uh is, is quite an ask to, for the consumer to uh, to take in and probably too much under an hour is you you're only scratching the surface of whatever topic it is that you want to discuss so please contact me through uh the twitters uh through facebook or there are posts on facebook under the name of bob point which is a very old uh pseudonym online pseudonym of mine there's godsownscale at gmail.com to contact me uh, for ideas and suggestions around content if you think this is rubbish, let me know. Uh, let me know what you want, really, because I'm a, I'm a one-man band setting this up, but I need to know what you want to be listening to. And I know I've already had little bits of feedback uh, across Twitter when once I've announced this, uh, requests about um, some World War II micro-armor uh, discussion. That certainly will be coming down the road. Uh, and one or two other bits and pieces I'm at the Joy of Six on Sunday. Uh, come up to me. Uh, I'm, I may generate a, a badge to say who I am so you can identify me and come have a little chat. I am certainly not uh, the one-point stop uh, for information and knowledge around 6 mil gaming. I'm fairly new to this, but uh, I run another podcast for my other wargaming obsession which is uh, mantic games i won't go into that too much but uh that's that started off fairly well with uh, four or five episodes in and getting some really good feedback so hopefully i can spread the word about this podcast and about my blog god's own scale two uh, dot blogspot.com to get get the discussion going get that community built up and it, it's already there the foundations are already there It'd be nice if there was a bit more inclusivity, a bit more engagement, a little bit more traction uh, to, to keep the discussion going and keep it in the profile 
uh, alongside the likes of your 28mm uh, gaming. There's another excellent podcast out there called The Oddcast, which promotes, um, well, it promotes history, really, uh, alongside the Two Fat Lardies, uh, products of uh, Chain of Command, etc. Um, it's, it's certainly not an infomercial or an advertisement for Two Fat Lardies products. Uh, it's, it's a general hobby podcast uh, that just happens to touch on some of the areas that uh, the Two Fat Lardies are interested in, uh, produce rules for and, and game themselves. But that is the sort of thing that I think I would like to look at uh, to do with the six mil hobby. Uh, so looking at the figure ranges, the rules, the, the terrain, um, uh, maybe uh, a period of history to look at and how you can game that in six mil. What books are, are good resources to get you into the into that period? Uh, what figure ranges are there across the various manufacturers? That kind of thing. So um, I shan't ramble on uh, too much more. Um, I'll stop this section and uh, say thank you for listening. To round out this first episode of God's Own Scale, um, I just thought I'd do a little bit of a history session, I guess. Uh, this podcast isn't going to be just about 6mm wargaming and God's Own Scale, in fact. Uh, but I want to include as much history as I can, so hopefully um, over the coming episodes I'll be uh, talking to one or two people with far greater knowledge than me uh, regarding historical matters. However, for this first episode, which is a solo affair, just to launch uh, this episode zero, I guess you would call it, um, I'm currently sat, I want you to picture this, I am currently sat in the graveyard of St Mary's Church in Muckleston in... uh, actually right on the border of Staffordshire, Shropshire and Cheshire in that sort of tri-county area. Um, It's roughly two or three minutes from my house. Um, I'm on the border of two different parishes but uh, the parish of uh, St Mary's is a place that I drive through fairly regularly. I guess the uh, the point of this is that it is a quintessentially English summer's day. The birds are tweeting. You may hear the odd car drive past uh, on the road through the the hamlet that is Muckleston. But what I hear you ask is the relevance of St Mary's Church in this very out of the way. Um, part of rural England. Well, it actually plays quite an interesting um, part in our history, this place does, because in 1459, the Battle of Blore Heath was fought, which was one of the 
first major engagements after St Albans, I guess, of the Wars of the Roses, those internecine wars, um, or the Cousins War, uh, as it is sometimes referred to, um, between the houses of Lancaster and York, vying for the throne of England. So the battle took place on the 23rd of September 1459. I'm just going to read you a very short praise of the battle, which actually comes from the Polaxed source book published by um, the Lance and Longbow Society. Uh, the credited authors are Martin Stevenson, David Lanchester, Pat McGill, uh, and there's art and maps by Derek Stone. Um, this is the revised edition from 2008, Freezy, Wa Freezy Water Publications, actually, but um, it's for sale through uh, the Lanson Longbow Society. So a quick praise of, um, of the battle. So the Earl of Salisbury and a Yorkist army of about 6,000 men were marching towards Ludlow to rendezvous with the Duke of York's army. At Blorheath, near Market Drayton, they found their way blocked by a Lancastrian army of 8,000 or more men, led by the Lords Audley and Dudley. Salisbury arrayed his army behind a stream with a marsh to his front and a wood protecting his left flank, and his right resting on a lager made from his baggage train. The Lancastrians launched three frontal assaults against the Yorkist defences, one of which was a cavalry charge. All three were repulsed, and the Lancastrian army routed after Audley was killed and Dudley was captured. In all, the Lancastrians lost around 2,000 men, compared to only a handful of Yorkist casualties. So, the point that links my location into this battle is that uh, Bloorheath is approximately two miles um, west of where I am sitting. The Church of St Mary's is um, a typical Norman church uh, with a square tower. And this is from that tower that allegedly Queen Margaret of Anjou watched the battle unfold before her. I'm not entirely sure of the accuracy of that or if in fact the tower that I'm looking at now is the original tower from the 15th century. Um, certainly, I, I've never been to the top of that tower, but with the um, lie of the land as it is now, with uh, woodland and the enclosures and hedges and the roll of the land, I'm not entirely sure how much of a view she would have had of, uh, of that battlefield about two and a half miles away. Um, it's possible, I guess, and um, I've, I'm not sure of any confirmed sources that say that, but there's certainly um, mention of it within the church, um, telling of the battle and the link to Queen Margaret. And in fact, within the grounds of the church is the anvil that was allegedly used by a local smithy uh, from a smithy just across the road from the church uh, who used the anvil to reverse the shoes on Queen Margaret's horse as she fled from the battle uh, towards Newcastle under Lyne, uh, which is, I 
guess directly behind me and um, north of where I am. Uh, so an interesting link into that battle. Um, Bloorheath is, uh, the modern day Bloorheath is, is a farm, uh, a working farm. Um, and the, uh, the current occupants, in fact, their, their daughter is uh, a friend of my daughter's. Uh, it goes, who's in the same class at school. It's always held a bit of a fascination ever since I moved to this area around 10 years ago that I'm practically on the doorstep of um, a fairly important engagement, a small engagement, and early on in the, in the Wars of the Roses. But even so, um, uh, to have had royalty in the area uh, and such notable royal as in the character of Margaret of Anjou uh, has led to a abiding fascination uh, of this battle and certainly one that I would like to recreate on the tabletop uh, in 6mm. Um, it seems a, uh, because it's such um, a small battle uh, it's eminently doable. Um, it's got some interesting characters in Lord Audley and Dudley and indeed Salisbury with uh, a good mix of troops and in fact and indeed the uh, the cavalry charge that I mentioned um, although they failed and in fact I suppose you could say ended to ended up as a Lancastrian slaughter really losing um, probably a quarter of their men uh, losing around 2000 with only a handful of Yorkist casualties you can see why that was the case in the fact that the Yorkists had secured some very defensible ground high ground um, with some difficult ground in front of uh, in front of the ridge that they were defending um, and the Lancastrians trying to charge up that up that ground into uh, defences set by the Yorkists and even the um, even the uh, charge and momentum of uh, the horse, how how heavily armoured those horse were, whether they were the full plate, caparisoned uh, cavalry that we like to think of as uh, the medieval horse, the shock troops, or they were the lighter hobbler type of troops. Um, I'm unsure. I need to take a look at that um, but even so it was a, a pretty tough tough battle um, for the Lancastrians um, the next engagement after um, Bloorheath would be Northampton I guess in July of 1460 so a good 10 months on um, after the, uh, the Lancastrian defeat here at Bloor Heath. But um, it's, it's a battle well worth looking at and a battle that I would like to look to recreate. I don't want to overface myself with too many projects at this early stage, but um, I just wanted to share this moment with you. I've, I've got a morning free um, and I've come to uh, have a walk around the church, take a look at the anvil and a quick look inside the church, which fortunately was open um, when I've arrived. And now I'm just sitting on a bench within the graveyard, listening to the birds, 
looking up at a blue sky. It is a beautiful scene. A lot of the gravestones around me are those very old weathered stones where the details are barely legible um, with uh, people going back to the 18th century, uh, the graves of people going back to the 18th century. A very traditional old graveyard where the stones are leaning at odd angles. There's a lot of wildflowers uh, within the yard. A lot of overgrown gravestones with grass and wildflowers over them. But there are, are several tended tended gravestones with um, recent flowers having been added, which is, uh, which is lovely and brings a beautiful colour to this scene. Um, it is quite beautiful. Hope uh, you can pick up some of the bird song as I sit here quietly mumbling away to myself. But that concludes this little piece as I sit under the warmth of the sun with the lightest of breeze disturbing the treetops sound of birds and peace settling across the land. Okay, back then, uh, just to wrap up the show, I hope you enjoyed that little uh, piece um, whilst I was set in the graveyard. Um, oddly, a very inspiring place, a very peaceful place, and I feel most relaxed. Uh, now I'm back at home. Uh, I'm going to pick the daughter up from school in about 15 minutes. So I'm going to wrap up uh, episode zero of God's Own Scale. Say so thank you for listening. There's more to come. Get in touch if there's anything you'd like to see or that you didn't like about my ramble or you disagree with with my ramble. And hopefully there is something you disagree with because disagreement breeds conversation. Uh, let's just keep it nice. Um, this is going to be a podcast of positivity with no negativity uh, about any product. If, if there's a product that I, don't, I really don't like, then I'm, I'm not going to talk about it on here. Um, I, I won't be pushing my uh, negative views about a certain product onto anybody else. This will be a positivity podcast where we talk about the good things and the good stuff. Um, and if you've got something that you want to say, get in touch and uh, we'll get you on. I'm going to look at a schedule of uh, initially maybe one, one, definitely one, maybe two podcasts per month, uh, dependent on real life issues and uh, also what, what's going on in my hobby and what's going in and on in the wider hobby at large. But that's it for now. I'm going to sign off saying this has been Sean Clark talking about God's own scale. Play nice.